What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, welcome into the show. Uh, Before we get going, this is kicking off season two of Talking Out Loud. Uh, We recorded this one the evening of September 13th and release it to you September 14th. Going to be doing a long-form interview with Jordan Seibert that is well overdue. I always wanted to have him on the show and finally got that opportunity tonight. So without further ado, here it is. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. And welcome back to Talking Out Loud. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening to us. It's absolutely great to have you back on board. I'm your host, Sully, here for another episode and the first one of our official second season. Podcast has been in its form for about five or six years. Of course, Talking Out Loud, this is going to be our second full season, um, but wanted to do something a little bit different. And a little bit bigger to kick off this season since I took a nice long hiatus from the radio business, hadn't podcasted in a while. The offseason was a little bit slow, not a whole lot of developments out of scheduling talk. So kick off the season the right way and do something that I knew all the fans would enjoy. I got in touch with none other than Jordan Seibert, and he joins me on the program tonight. Jordan, welcome to Talking Out Loud. First appearance here, man. It's great to have you on. Lily, I appreciate you inviting me, man. I'm excited to be here. Excited to to get it rolling. 
Yeah, man. We've done this with a lot of the guys before. And for the listeners, if you haven't heard our series, Kyle Davis has been on with us, Ryan, Mike Sell, Keith Wallace, Kowski, Brooks Hall. Um, and we love doing this because we like going down memory lane. And to be honest with you, man, there's no better time to go down memory lane than the offseason, you know, because there's not a lot of other stuff going on basketball wise. So, you know, we talk about some of the old days here for an hour, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Well, before we get into it, um, what are you up to right now? Uh, when I called in, you were uh, home in Cincinnati, right? Um, just yeah. playing some hoops. But what's going on with you right now, man? Yeah. So right now, just working out, man, staying in shape, um, getting ready for the next season, whatever, whatever comes my way. Um, but while I'm also working on my basketball, I've been uh, just building my brand. I have a, a, a firm now. It's a athlete transitioning program. Um, that I've been building. It's called Dynamic Missions. And I've been just just really grinding, bro, really grinding and, and trying to make sure that I'm I'm on top of my game in all aspects of life. Yeah, so tell me more about that, man. Dynamic Missions. Uh, what is it? How would you come up with the concept? And, and what do you want to do with it? Yeah, so pretty much it's a, it's a firm where we're helping athletes focus on the next steps of life and not necessarily – taking them away from their sport, but just understanding that there's more to life than the sport. And it kind of hit me a little bit prior to COVID, me and uh, our academic advisor, Beth, and um, Eric Farrell, who was uh, our ops guy at Dayton when I was there, Mm -hmm. we all kind of mentioned about the path outside of basketball. And regardless of the the league, um, if you make it overseas – just what happens next and being able to touch on that topic and to be able to help athletes develop an understanding of what's next to be comfortable with what's next and to embrace what's next. So let me ask you this, man, I'm going to dig in on that a little bit. So, uh, you're but two years younger than me, right? So you're 29 now, 28, Yep, 29. Just Okay. All right. Yeah. So you had enough time out of school. What would you tell yourself 22 coming out of UD that you know now like what would you tell yourself back then um basketball or otherwise yeah you know? yeah, yeah um I would tell my younger self to to not settle I, I think I, I settled a lot mentally mentally don't settle mm-hmm. people see people see my game and I worked extremely hard at basketball and I, I believe that I was blessed with a talent to play the game, but I settled in other aspects of my life. And if I could look back, I would just tell myself, like, bro, you're a lot smarter. You're a lot more cunning. You're a lot more uh, ambitious than you even know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting you say that, man, because um, I think – a lot of times, and, I, and I'm the same way, like when I graduated and I, the path is probably a little bit different for you, but I think you're going to know what I'm getting at here. When you graduate from school, you kind of have a path in mind where everybody like says, this is what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to go to school. You're supposed to graduate. You're supposed to get a job. And then you're supposed to hold down that job for a long time and go to work every day. You know, and for basketball, it's the same way. It's like you guys get out of school and then you want to pursue basketball. So you don't really even take time to think about the fact that you can go a lot of different directions and still be 
in the world of basketball. Right. Um, or it doesn't have to like define who you are. So I think there's a lot to be said for if you're a regular student or if you're a basketball player, because you, we all kind of go through those same struggles and, and I, I can definitely relate to that, man. It's just that you kind of think in your mind that there's only one path forward for you, but that's not really the reality when you get out here and uh, the world is your oyster for lack of a better term. Right. Yeah. That's, that was my main thing. Even talking with students, um, who didn't play sports when I was at Dayton, it would be, we would all have similar things in common. Like, well, you know, when we graduate, we have this path, but where is it actually taking us? And mm. are we okay with where it's taking us? You know, it, it was something that I, I've dealt with and thought about for so many years while I was in school and, and leaving. And I just wanted to make sure that I know that there's ways that, um, the students who are athletes, I know that they can find a way. Um, but I wanted to make sure that my company strictly focused on athletes just because I'm, I'm, that's a realm that I've been in and I personally know that struggle and where we need help. Yeah, for sure. And like the other thing that's obvious to hammer home is the fact that your window to make money or like make as much money as you can, especially in a game of basketball, it's short, you know, like that window closes on you real fast. Right. And um, the one one subject I wanted to get your perspective in before we jump into the UD days is I know that um, you did you did some hopping like everybody else in Europe. Um, You know, you were back and forth, had some some G League contracts. Um, So I want to get into that for a little bit, man, because I think a lot of Dayton fans kind of we don't follow that process as closely as we should with our guys. Like we know where our guys are after, you know, you guys all graduate. And, you know, I know when you got like there's a 10 day contract on the Hawks. I remember that. And then. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in the G League and, and you're kind of trying to do the same thing, trying to go after those 10 day contracts. So help yeah. the listeners understand that maybe don't have the perspective like when you get out of school. All right. Dayton's behind you. You're basically trying to get a roster spot in the NBA and you try to do that as long as possible. And if you can't, that's when you go to Europe. Right. Like what does that monetarily break down to? Because I'm I have to assume that chasing that 10 day contract or even that one year contract in the NBA, that's the goal for a while. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so graduating school, um, the time was different when I graduated. So now that they have two-way contracts. That's how so, you know you're getting old, bro. You're like, oh, it was different back in my yeah, day. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, right? Just like, said it, man. <laughs> it, it's, so when, when I came out of school, it wasn't, there wasn't two-way deals and all of these different type of contracts. So mm-hmm. there were, you were on a team, you were an affiliate player, and pretty much that was it. And so when I came out, I came out with um, – I signed to be an affiliate player with the Magic. And that comes with a certain type of NBA salary. Um, and that was then. So once I the, – the following year, when I didn't get – uh, an extension on my contract and they didn't re-sign me um, because I actually signed for uh, two years with them. And mm-hmm. the, the next year it was an option for them to pick up my contract and they did. Mm-hmm. So I went overseas and that wasn't an idea. I think everybody gets so wrapped up in, you know, Hey, just go overseas and make money. Yeah. And, and it bothers me. And, and for, I don't know how a couple of my other fellow overseas players feel 
But it always bothered me a little bit that people get so they're so quick to tell you to go overseas while they work at home and they're at home and they don't understand the grind that comes with being in a foreign country for 10 months. Yeah. Because when you go overseas and you play, you get homesick, but you have to stay over there as long as possible because winning is very important, yeah. especially overseas. Winning, um, I mean, if you look at like Deshaun, Pierre, and even mm-hmm. like Devin Oliver, like a lot of those guys who are doing great overseas, they've had winning years. Winning is very important when it comes to the overseas market. So for sure, it, it's tough because in order to win, and when you win, you stay there longer. So now to be in a foreign country, if you don't have a wife or a girlfriend, you're there for 11 months. It's it's a dream and it's beautiful, but it's a grind. Yeah, it's a yeah. grind, man. And and people don't people don't get that. And you're not depending on the level that you're playing. You could be making, um, you know, a, a livable wage. Yeah. You could be making a wage where you still have to come home and get a job. Yeah. You, you know, it, it's not it's not all um, glamorous as people as people think. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a different experience, that's for sure. And I, I think all the guys that have played overseas kind of have a different perspective about it. What was the hardest part for you personally? Um, I would say just being away from my family. Yeah. Um, I had I had a period where I, I lived, my girlfriend lived over there with me for a period of time. Um during the during that time. Um and that was that was okay. It kind of gave me that that home feel. I kind of had somebody there with me. Mm-hmm. But it was just the the grind, especially if you're – I had a moment where I really wasn't playing well. I got traded from a team, um, and the situation just didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So just imagine, you know, going to work, and you're working for a company, and it's not – the ideal isn't situa- – is it – the situation isn't ideal, and you're also a 14-hour flight away – from family or anybody who can actually help you through the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, you don't have a lot of options either. You know, it's not like, Oh, you know what? I'm not feeling this job. So I'm going to, I'm going to quit and I'll find a new job. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's, it's way different. And, um, you know, I, I can totally understand where it could, I I guess, especially for younger guys can feel trapped because like me, myself, as soon as I got out of Dayton, I got a job in San Francisco and that was eye opening. I was like, I was like, I went from Dayton, Ohio to downtown San Francisco. Was yeah. like, there's not, there's not a whole lot of places in America, you know, so polarizingly different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I could understand that. And I was in California, but um, no, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for, for that because, you know, you go from a college town where everybody knows you and especially you guys where you won a lot of games, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to walk around Dayton without people recognizing you. And then you go to a country and nobody knows you from anybody else walking down the street. Yeah. You know, that yeah. part I know has, has got to be tough. Um, so what you were in Greece first and then Germany, right? Those are the yeah, two stops you made. Germany. Yeah. Yep. And it's pretty good. Pretty good ball played over in Germany, right? Oh, great ball in, in Greece as well. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of great basketball 
that goes on overseas. Uh, there's so many athletes that when you watch them play, it's like, you know, you can be in, you can be in the NBA or you should be in the NBA. And it's, uh, it's talented. And that's the one thing to, to kind of backtrack real quick. I also want to make sure that I, I say that the overseas experience, it's tough, but it's a blessing and a great opportunity. Yeah. How many you times know, in your like, life you can be able to do that, right? Exactly. Like, you know, that's, that's the, it, it's, it's tough, but you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So yeah. you, you would expect it to be some sort of grind, but it's definitely a blessing of opportunity to see the world at a young age and to get paid for it while you play a sport. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the overall goal and that's the overall message. But you know, it's just, it is a grind though. It is a grind. And Greece and Germany have some amazing hoopers over there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's generally what you hear is that it's all the guys that did well here in the States in college. And then, you know, that's where you go and you make money. And then you're also with the professional guys that have played professionally in Europe since they were like teenagers Mm -hmm. and you get all that together and you get some pretty good basketball. But uh, we certainly wouldn't be talking about the current time or the current uh, landscape of European basketball if it wasn't for the days you played at Dayton. Um, So it's a good time to to back all the way up. And um, I, I purposely I had a couple of things wrote, wrote down tonight for like how how things were going to go. And the one thing I, I did write down is um, you know, you've uh, I wanted to have you on the, the cast for a while so we could tell some stories and talk about some of those old games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wrote down, has anybody ever told you that you're probably and I don't even want to say probably. But you're the most beloved transfer that ever came into the program. Did that ever like sink in where you were like, oh, like I, I am a transfer that everybody has like wholly accepted as this uh, bedrock of the program. You know, <laughs> do you ever have that realization? Anybody ever say that to you? Uh, no, um, I've heard it. I've heard it a lot. But I think, well, let me back. Yes, I have. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have. Where it came from, though, was actually senior night when um, we had um, the, the reverend uh, who, who would be at all of our games. When the game was over and I walked off the court and I actually I have the picture hanging up. Uh, it's me waving goodbye to everybody. Yeah. And to see everybody standing up, clapping. And at that year, I was the only senior basketball player. Mm-hmm. So when the game was over, he walked up to me. And he was like, how does it feel to have over 12,000 people stand up and clap for you? Like, like it, was, it was you. They were clapping for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man. That's I pretty never, fucking cool. Damn, <laughs> like, damn, like, they're really – like they really embraced me like a kid who who transferred and at the time felt like he was nothing and worked really hard and and captured the heart of all of these fans. And I remember like I really sat down in my dorm and I was like, man, like this is this is truly something like this. shit's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you, it's it's like a substantial accomplishment that not a lot of people get to feel. Right. Yeah, or, or have. yeah, man. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, to be, to be loved, to, to put in work. That's the one thing. Like I worked so hard when I got there. I'm talking about the, the, how accommodating UD is and was 
and allowing me time to get in the gym, my teammates, everything was just, it was laid right out. The coaching staff, everything was just right there for me. And for me to take advantage of that and then on the back end to get so much love from the fans after you put that work in, it was just, it was the icing on the cake, bro. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, because, I mean, it's probably easy for you to look at that moment and be like, this is what that's what you work for. You know, work for that's that's where that's why you put in the sweat in the gym is to have that that moment, that waving off the court moment, you know, with everybody. And um, I was at that game, so I remember it. But, <laughs> um, you know, that's that's why I got the podcast. You know, yeah. I, I go to the games, too, and shit. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but no, um, uh, it's it's a point well taken, man. And that that's a, a good place us to kind of back up a little bit how you got to Dayton. Um, when you were, you know, quickly when you were trying to pick a program to go to, what did you have it down to, and and how did you end up landing on Ohio State initially? Um, so when <laughs> it's funny when I was in high school, I actually met Archie uh, on the recruiting trail. So I met Archie when he was at Ohio state and that was a big reason why I committed there. Yeah. And when I got there, uh, he left. So I, and I kind of, I had already, most of my teammates, my AU teammates were going to Ohio state too. So I kind of was already cool with being there, but Archie was a huge reason for me going there as well. Yeah. So when it was, you know, I got there, didn't really receive the playing time that I wanted. Um, didn't know why. And he ended up getting the job in Dayton. And it was funny. My top three choices was um, to transfer was Missouri, Arizona, and Dayton. So I was thinking about going to Arizona because of Sean. Archie yeah. Brown. So better weather. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I don't want to go to Missouri. Um, don't know anything about that place. So I'm like, well, it's between not even so much the university, it was more so the coaches. It's like sure. Sean or Arch. And where it came down to was I was always a, a big fan of Arch, his coaching style. He was willing to push me, and I knew Sean was similar. But I also didn't want to leave uh, and be too far away from my family sure. at, at 18 years old because I was younger for my for my grade. So yeah. I didn't want to at 18 years old, about to be 19. I didn't feel like flying to Arizona to finish out my college career. Yeah, for sure. And my older brother went to Dayton. Um, oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So he went to Dayton um, for a year, I believe. And. That was kind of a no-brainer. Like, Let me just go here and put the yeah, work. yeah. And so you, you like to have a coach that was busting your ass constantly, is what it sounds like. <laughs> so, bro, look. So my <laughs> first, my first visit, my first. Now, I like I said, I've known Art, so I've known him since I was thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. So you know how people have, um, they have the typical visits where they go and the university shows them the best that they have. They kiss your ass a little bit. Yeah, it's not yeah, lost you know, on yeah, me. They're yeah, going to yeah, yeah. show, show you all the glitz and glamour of the university. Yeah. So for me, but I know Archie now. So this isn't like a him showing me the glitz and glamour. This is just me really just coming to see my guy. Yeah. So I get up there, take a tour to the school. And when I got done, 
I asked Arts, I'm like, hey, like, if you mind, like, can I work out with my brother here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Like, you know, enjoy it. So I go, so I'm working out. So, like, I remember him telling my brother, like, certain workouts, like, to, to do. And I remember being gassed. When I'm talking about so tired that I was like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the school I want to go to. Or he's going to bust my ass way yeah, too like, hard. Because this, is, this isn't even him doing this. This is him kind of just telling my brother things to do. And it's got me this tired. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe Arizona is not sounding too bad right about now. Right? <laughs> I don't know if Sean's going to be any better, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I don't know as much about him, so I can't speak to that. Yeah, they're similar. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have a favorite Archie story before we go down that road? Um, a favorite Archie story. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I got so many Archie stories. Um, so like, and I, I always have this conversation with people when they come on the cast, because a lot of times, um, like the, the team comes on that you don't know which stories to tell. Right. But the way that I can contextualize it for you is that I, I always say this to people. You don't realize that the fans have like no Archie stories. Like our Archie stories are basically like fabricated stuff or like what he does in the games. Right. Yeah. So we don't know, like, what ha- like you know i know that he probably got red faced and like cussed people out in the locker rooms and shit <laughs> but like for example kyle davis came on a couple years ago and he was talking about a game their senior year when they lost to nebraska who sucked they lost on thanksgiving mm-hmm. and archie went into the locker room and he said you motherfuckers have everybody kissing your ass and you played like crap and he goes archie's just laying into us right and people love hearing that because we don't like we, we you know that's the side of the, of the team that uh it was behind those closed doors. So, yeah, I was just curious if you had a favorite story from from those years. Um, I, I would say. I would say. The, the most memorable one, and this wasn't even when I was playing. So this is during my sit out year. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Archie's definitely uh, cussed us out. And. Um, I, I got two stories for you. I got two stories for you. OK, we got nothing but time. OK, I got two stories. So one <laughs> was my my sit out year. We were, we were fourteen and seventeen, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And the, the, the team was not not so good that year. Yeah, yeah just yeah, for, yeah. for listeners. I'm just <laughs> I'm painting the picture for listeners factually. That's yeah. all. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> team was not so good that year. So I remember after a game, um, he, it was after the game. He, I think he made us all come back to the arena. Made us all come back to the arena, and he was like. Since he like since you all want to and like embarrass everybody here and you got all these fans that come out and support you every single game and they fill up this arena every single night. Since you guys don't care about the fans or the arena, you all are gonna clean the arena for the night. <laughs> so I remember and you were like, Coach, I'm not even playing, bro. Like, like, I, like, I, I, I can skip out. To, I have nothing to do with this, coach. Like, <laughs> like this this ain't me. Like I, I probably could have made some more threes and helped out a little bit. Like, <laughs> it but yeah, so we end up cleaning. Uh, it was like the cleaning crew was there and we took like the trash cans from them and we went through and he made us clean the arena. Um, yeah. Clean the arena. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah. Clean the whole thing. I think he, he took us out of our, he took us out of the locker, the locker room that we had. 
um, our, our original locker room and he put us in the old locker room. Oh, you mean the one like that's under the stands right yeah, there? Yeah, it's under the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for <laughs> listeners that have never been down there before, this it's room, awful. like <gasps> it, the room barely fits 15 people. <laughs> and it's old. Like it looks like that room has not been updated. I mean, maybe it's updated now since they've done all the renovations, but like, then, yeah, that um, room was straight out of the, it was like that room that basically didn't touch it after they built the arena. They're like, yeah, no, that's, that's, say so. that's borderline like haunted house type room. <laughs> It's yeah, it was definitely terrible. And we had to be in that locker room because he felt like we kept losing and we didn't care. And he was like, you're not about to show up to this school and have these fans come out and support you. And y'all going to play like that. Like we know y'all don't get no locker room. Y'all going to clean up the arena. And we got our shit together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's too funny, dude um well yeah so then of course when you did start playing um i think i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to play this clip so hopefully you can hear it um so i'm I'm gonna play the clip and if you can't then we'll uh we'll do it but i'm gonna try and sneak this in so that my podcast actually sounds like i know what i'm doing here um (laughs) but uh yeah so this is uh ipfw first game in ud arena uh earlier they're gonna lob it in as the ball is stolen away they get it ahead now. Dayton looks over. Left side. Seibert gets the ball. Yes. Hits it. Hits it. Hits it. Hits it. And coming the other way. Game, oh. game over. Dayton wins it. 81 to 80. They're bombing everybody over here. Right in front of us. How Holy about that? Cow. How about the steal by? <laughs> how about oh, the, my goodness. How about the steal by? So listeners will be able to hear the audio quite well, but the uh, game winning shot against IPFW first game of the year. And some people have said that that was the most important shot in Dayton Flyers history, because if you guys don't win that game, you probably don't go to the tournament three or four months later. Right. Mm-hmm. You ever thought about yeah. that? Yeah. 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 How, yeah. So what was that game opening night, your first game at the arena, and then the shit totally hits the fan and you guys have to concoct this like messy buzzer beater to beat a team that probably could have beat by a lot of points, right? <laughs> Man, bro, that, that game, for me, um, I was super nervous. So the, the previous, I think we had uh, two games, two, pre, two or three preseason games, and I did really well. Like, I think I had a game where I had, like, 24. Then I had, like, 16. uh, Made some threes. I'm like, okay, this is completely different than when I was at Ohio State. This is the results that I wanted. Yeah. So so this first now, but this IPFW game, this is real bullets now. This is real. So I get out there, and I'm just playing bad. Like, I, I don't know if fans and people realize, me and my brother talk about this all the time, but I think I might have had uh, eight points that game. Uh, you had 10. I had to pull up the stat said, line. Okay, just yeah, to, yeah. Well, like, I mean, you, you actually had seven up until the buzzer beater. So point <laughs> taken. Yeah, there you go. You know, like I, I had seven that whole game and it was, uh, and I think Deshaun kept us in that game uh, points wise. He went for 24 that night. Like, like Deshaun was holding us down. And I remember so going back, there was a free throw that I had. And I I made one 
and miss the next one. And I remember that free throw would have either gave us the – it would have tied – it was something that that free throw was very important. And I remember I missed it. And they called a timeout. And I remember looking at my brother in the stands, and he kind of just gave me this encouraging look. And I was like, oh, man, like, these fans are going to not let me live this down because I missed this free throw. <laughs> and, like, that's the only thing I was thinking. Like, Archie was going off in the huddle, and I'm just thinking, like, these fans are not going to let me live this down. So <laughs> – so the play happens, um, and I'm thinking to myself, there's a chance if we can somehow get the ball. I knew, I knew from the from them taking the ball out. I'm like, if we can, if we can steal it somehow, there's a chance. And when I think I was on the ball, I was trying to be as active as possible and force them to throw it high, a long, a high pass, and Watching it unfold, I believe Kyrie, Kyrie went up and stole it. Uh, uh yeah, and then he threw it to and Kyle Davis, to who Kyle. actually Kyle traveled. Yeah, he, traveled. <laughs> <laughs> he admitted that to me after the fact, but I was like, and I didn't even notice actually up until that time when I had a conversation with him. But yeah, he throws the ball to Kyle Davis. Kyle Davis yeah. fully travels and then finds you. <laughs> traveled, yeah, and that and it's crazy because as I'm watching this, I'm kind of like. I can't see. I'm trying. It was a guy who was in front of me, and I'm trying to look around him. And I can't see what's really going on. But I was like, "Well, let me just kind of get to the wing, just in case, or get outside of the three point line, just in case I get the ball." And it happened so fast, and it's funny. I shoot so many threes, mm. like for like just practicing. So when I was in school, I would shoot probably at least five hundred to. A, 750 a night. Oh, shit. So, when Kyle gave me the pass, the shot was so, I knew it was going in because I shot so many reps from that exact spot. Yeah. So, it was like, I, I did, I had no question. I didn't, I was like, if he can get me the ball, the game's over. And yeah. I was actually kind of confused because Demo was on the right side. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't know if he was going to give it to him or not. And he just made a great read and, I was able to knock it down, man, and shit propelled us, and that was history, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's is a, a working theory of mine. Is that I think that um, one of the actual tangible reasons beyond like the crowd noise, you know, crowd noise can only account for so much. Um, but I've said that I think Dayton has been so good over the years at the arena because of that. What you just said, right? You've taken so many shots on that court. You know exactly where your spots are. You know where all all the all the places in the arena floor, right? You know what they feel like and, and kind of what the shots feel like. And yeah. I've always said that for years is like, that's kind of what I, I feel like what propels Dayton a lot of times to, to win a lot of games at home. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so going for, forward through that season, um, so we're talking about the 2013-2014 season. The game that we're referencing was against IPFW, and that would have been opening night of the 2014 season, which is November of the previous year. Um, but yeah, you guys, if I recall, went to a, um, that was the Maui year, um, yeah. took Baylor right down to the wire. And then when you guys got back, um, from Maui, pretty good, pretty good slate of winning, was it 11 to 11, 12 and three, you guys went into conference play. Um, yeah. but then conference play started out crappy. It's always the, that's always like what we talk about when we talk about the 2014 elite eight year. 
um, one in five in the conference. And like, what's your side of the tale of like what happened? You know, you, you turned it on and won nine of the last 10 games or eight of the last nine games, something like that. What happened in January where you guys were like, we're one in five and, and we're not good right now? Yeah, so, you know, we, we were on a roll. And, you know, to, to backtrack, when we were in Maui, Archie had a uh, – we had a moment where he had – he pulled us all together. And he was like, I want you to understand something. He was like, coming in in this tournament, he like, we didn't get to pick who we played. He that like, Gonzaga picked us. Now, do we know if this is true or not? I don't know. This was his speech. <laughs> He's gassing like, you up, yeah. Yeah, like like I said, like, he could have, but it worked. Like it damn sure worked. Yeah. So he told us, like you know, they picked us. So out of all the teams that could have been here that they could have played against, they chose to play against us because they feel like they can win. This is the easiest route for them, and that gave us so much motivation to go out there and prove like we were something. Mm-hmm. And I think once we once we showed what we did in Maui and we kind of pushed through the, the non-conference, when the conference play hit, I think we kind of relaxed a little bit. One, we relaxed. Two, people don't realize how good the conference was that year. Yeah, it was. It was, like, yeah. It, it was really good. Like, from VCU to St. Louis. Like, I mean, the teams were so competitive and so good that when we got into conference play, we got smacked. And – we didn't know how to recover. And what happens is in the sports world period, sometimes when you hit that, that moment of, of losing and you can't really figure out why you're losing, teams don't take it easy on you. They don't want to be the team that you beat. Yeah. I, I think we had the worst uh, record in the conference at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like nobody wants to lose to the team who has the worst record. <laughs> yeah. So they play even harder. And it, it came down to us realizing that nobody was going to lay down. Like nobody cared that we were losing. The only people who cared was us. Yeah. So it was like going into our, I forgot what was that first game. Or maybe it was just the end of January when we kind of got back on track. It was just us really taking the reins back and be like, you know, nobody, in this fight, nobody cares that we're on the mat. They would actually prefer that we stay down on the mat. That's right. So if we don't get up and fight back, then we just going to lay down for the rest of the season. And we went from there, bro. Yeah. And, and how much does this fan sentiment trickle into the locker room? Because, I mean, like, you know, rumblings get loud around town. And at that time, um, Archie Miller's job was – I'm not going to say it was in serious jeopardy, but there were serious questions that were starting to be raised at that time because his first two seasons weren't so great. And then he's one in five in the conference and it looked like no tournament that year either. And people are like, well, wait, year three and we're not going to go back to the tournament. I mean, there was yeah. definitely serious questions. I mean, does that kind of stuff ever get into the locker room? Because he, he to me, he always felt like a guy that was really good at, at plugging his ears to that kind of stuff. Yeah, for for Arch, he was very uh very steadfast when it came to his his career and what he he had going yeah Um, he he focused on the job at hand so for us it was more so um i don't i don't know if arts really read into that stuff because we we never discussed any of that stuff he always kept that part of his life away from um 
his players and the staff. Yeah. But for us, it bothered us to see the disappointment on fans, like walking out. Because we we seen how happy they would be when we would win. We would see the fight, and they would come, and they would still – even when we lose, they would still be cheering so hard. And for us to just lose and then lose again and again and again and to start seeing the disappointment build, it became more personal for us to be like, yo, like, we got to get this shit together, man. Like, yeah, they're coming up every day cheering – you know, booing the other team, causing problems for the other teams. We got to make something shake, man. You're right. And uh, the magic did start after that. We're, of course, talking about the Elite Eight year of 2014. Uh, the start was one and five in the conference, 13 and eight to begin that year. And then the finished regular season at 22 and nine. And of course, the next question that I always ask all the guys are on that team. Why the hell couldn't you guys beat St. Joseph? Because, man, Phil Martelli always had Archie's number one way or the other. And what was that about? You know, looking back, like, was there one thing you're like, man, we just could not beat that that team? Bro, I'm like, I don't know what it was, man. (laughs) Nobody does. (laughs) It's like I would just like I would be playing. And then next thing I know, it's like the game would just be over and we lost. Like it's like it would be such a blur. Like I don't know what they did. I don't know what they offense. Like, like home at their place, it was always difficult. I mean, and I know yeah. that when they had like when they had Langston, um, when they had uh, DeAndre Bembry, um, it was like they had some some play. Um, yeah, it wasn't like they were a slouch team or anything. Yeah. You know, and and your point. Your point was well received earlier in that people I don't think have forgotten that the last time the A-10 had over four bids was that year, 2014, when they had six. And yeah. that was one of the reasons. There was just a lot of good teams that year. A lot of good teams, but still, like, we should have at least got them once. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, damn, they like we could not beat them. And I don't know what it was. Um, but, yeah, they definitely had our – that was the team that had our number for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's that's just always like the spot when you look back or, you know, you look at the schedule and it's like, oh, lost St. Joe's lost it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, then that push off game, the A-10 tournament and the, the Friday afternoon. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I, talk, I talked about that so many times with so many people. Um, so going into the tournament. Um, it was, you know, it's a big deal for you, obviously, right off the bat when you saw that announcement and you guys were in Archie's basement, which we always love to talk about. He's got the big beanbag chairs. Like yeah. I remember Cav was sitting on like a beanbag chair. Yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting there selection Sunday and, and you had already gone to a final four with Ohio State. So you kind of knew the process. But um, well, walk, walk me through that time. Like, you know, what do you remember from selection Sunday? What do you remember from the NCAA tournament and, and that year specifically? Um, well, the selection Sunday, it's crazy because there's a picture of me, um, when the announcement happened and I'm like in shock. Uh, but it's funny because when I transferred, I used to go into the gym late at night before I didn't have access anymore. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I used to go into the gym and I would work out. And I would always put myself in positions like, man, if I ever had a chance to play against O State, like this is what I would do. Yeah. And when it happened, the 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 feeling of how ironic, like, how is this possible 
for the the likelihood of me out of all the teams that we could have played, I'm playing the team that I left. And it's like for it's in the tournament. Like it's a meaningful game. Yeah. And for me, I don't know. It was just it was just crazy and like getting ready for it. Uh, I knew I knew my goal. I just wanted to win. Yeah. That's the only thing that, that came to my mind. Now, I got calls all week um, before the game. Like, bro, like you got to go for 40. Like, you got to destroy them. Like, make all this that in the third. But for me, me scoring 40 and losing wouldn't have made me feel good at the end of the day. Sure. Like, you know, that, that wouldn't make me feel like I accomplished anything. So I'm like, the ultimate goal is I just want to win this game win this game and move on. And it's funny when the game was over um, after V's iconic shot, I, we went to the locker room and I hugged V in the bathroom for about 10 minutes (laughs) because I'm like, I don't know if you know what that shot meant to me. Yeah, I know it meant a lot for the university and it meant a lot for the fans and the nation is going crazy right now. But for me personally, I didn't need to take the game winner. Him taking it and making it was enough for me. V, if you listen to this, I appreciate you again, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he was on. Uh, oh, man, he was, he was over in France and uh, I had him on a while back, but we did it via WebEx and the audio got all screwed up. So I'll have to have him on again just to walk that through. Because that, that is, man, it's like Dayton Flyers lore now. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that was like, I, you know, at the time I was 24 and that was the biggest shot I'd ever seen in my life. And still, you know, I guess until the next year, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was like the biggest shot that, yeah. that had happened in Dayton since like the 80s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that that was the one thing I'll always remember about that game. And maybe it's gotten lost in translation or or maybe you know I'd, I'd give us way too much credence. But I always will remember that that was the very first game of the tournament that year. Yeah, that was so wild to me that like yeah. 12, 15 in the afternoon. And, and then, you know, they, there we are. Get right to it. Big game off the back. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny. So this is this is something that I don't know. <clears throat> I've seen people talk about it. Um but there was a moment when I made my first three in the game mm. and I read in the newspaper that uh, it was something and people were talking about it online saying I was a, uh, I was disrespectful because I was saying I was talking to Thad. And so if you watch the clip, I made a shot and I turn around and I do say something to the bench, but I said something to Sam Thompson. So Sam had said something before I shot it. And I shot it, I made it, and I turned around and I responded to him. <laughs> I remember that, that yeah. That just so happened to be right there in front of me when I said it. So it so it got blown out of proportion and I was talking to him when I actually wasn't. And I was like, people make a story out of anything, man. Yeah, bro, that is how it is, man. They really will. This perception, man. Like now, I'm now I'm seeing all this stuff. Like, oh, Jordan has no class, and he he's talking to. Co- I mean, first of all, I'm a competitor. Like, I transferred from that school, so me talking stuff to anybody is fair game in my book. Oh, for sure. 
I'm not going to ch- ta- you know shy away from any kind of trash talk. So I've I've said my share in the arena to plenty um, <laughs> plenty of basketball players over the years. Um, but what, what what was that week like when you guys get to come home? Obviously, we're going to the Sweet Sixteen for the first time in my life. I'd never seen it before. Um, it was it was nuts for me, and I'm not on the team. I was in Chicago, and we just had a blast of a week. But for you guys, what is that week like, and how hard is it to, like, go to class that week? Man, the week is crazy. There's so much love going on, and it <laughs> – we were so happy that the students um, got to just have a ball because we weren't there. I mean, what we were seeing on the news and – Seeing Dr. Dan being uh crowd surfing through the ghetto. Yeah. That like that it killed us because we wanted to be there. Yeah. But you know, we were just happy that we was able to give give that moment to the school and the city. And when we got back, it was just it was love. And that was the first time where like, you know, I could I could be late to class and people didn't give me like the side eye. <laughs> yeah, I think you got to pass that week on your yeah, attendance. Yeah, I got to pass for that week. Like, it would be like I would come in and everybody would, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Great game, Jordan. I'm like, ah, thank you. Finally. <laughs> like, I was 10 minutes late. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you were pretty close, if I remember, to that shot that Tyler Annis put up for Syracuse that, that he missed. I thought that was going in myself. What about you? Do you have a moment where you're like, ah, shit, that's going in? Yeah, his shot and craft shot, too. They were both close, yeah. They were very close, very close. Um, Archie, I was talking about, you know, the basketball guys were on our side because uh, those shots were right there, and I don't know. It's just we needed it though. We we needed those to go out. So. Yeah, I mean, did you you ever talk to people now? And I mean, you obviously have the perfect perspective because we talk about this when when March comes around every year. Is just like how fickle the tournament is just like in general, you know, like you could be out, you know, just because you played one bad game. You know, I feel like that's probably not lost on you because it's like one ball bounces the other way or shot goes in and that season ends early. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, um, what the TBT, yeah. Man, like, you know, yeah. like, like you have, you have one bad game. Like does that define your team necessarily? No. Mm-mm. But, but you have a couple plays where the ball you turn it over or shots just aren't like let's just say the shots just aren't falling that day. Yeah, like that's your fault. Like the shot you can have great looks and they just don't fall. And now you're out of the tournament. So it, it's a lot of it's a lot of good good basketball, good team chemistry, and a lot of luck. Like yeah, that it goes into winning in the tournament. Yep. Um, and, and of course, you guys got back to the tournament that that next year. And um, just in the interest of time um, for the listeners, we'll have to do this again, because I'm, I'm now realizing that I had a lot more material to get through today than um, than I first thought of. So I guess that's <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this happens every time. Um yeah. But the like the defining moments of the next season, there's there were some great games in there and all that. But I feel like the defining moment of that season was seeing you guys at whatever restaurant you were at during the selection show in 2015, just got done with the, the VCU game um, in, in a tight game, really good game, you know, lost by six. And I, 
that was one of those where, you know, just didn't quite, you know, go your way that that night. Right. Just in general. But the defining moment of that season is you guys sitting in that restaurant and they said the last team in the tournament and we're playing in Dayton. Walk me through what that moment or that night was like for you. Um, it was okay. In all honesty, it was kind of confusing <laughs> yeah. because, like, our record warranted a solidified spot. Absolutely, that, twenty-five and eight that season. Twenty-five and like eight. That, we earned a solidified spot. Um, so for us to be in the playing game, it was kind of like. Like what? What is it? Like what? What are they doing here? Like something's not right. Yeah. And and I mean, you can kind of see it in our reaction a little bit. Like when they had the the camera on us on the for the the selection show. Like when they showed us, it was kind of like oh, like this is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everybody was like, like oh yeah, we were really thinking they were gonna get some excitement shot out of these guys and. That was not the case. <laughs> that was not. That was not the case. Like, and it was funny actually. Archie made us redo it. Oh, really? He made like, you take it too. <laughs> he, he made us redo it because he was like, um, because nobody really showed excitement. And Why would you? You know, <laughs> yeah. That's how we were feeling, you know. And he was like, "Hey, he like, okay, this is what we're gonna do." He was like, "Everybody, he like, we're gonna bring the camera crew in." He's like, "We're gonna redo this moment." <laughs> and everybody's going to act happy as fuck that we're in this tournament because we are happy that we're in this tournament. Yeah. And we were like, oh, okay, wow. So we redid it. And once he kind of put that in perspective for us, like, you know, it's not necessarily what we want, but let's be grateful for the fact that we, we are here. Yeah. Because teams don't make it in general. So just kind of putting it in perspective for us, it, 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 was, it was cool. Yeah, that, that was a wild year, too. It was, you know, the seven-man rotation. And um, when I had Bobby on, we kind of had the same moment that, that we had at the beginning where I was like, did anybody ever tell you that, like, you were one of the most influential walk-ons the program's ever had? And he was like, no, no I, don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> ever, ever. He is the walk-on. Yeah. <laughs> he has his jersey hanging up at uh, Milano's, I believe. Maybe, like, a restaurant. Like, some restaurant on campus, like, Bobby has a, a jersey hanging up. Come on now. He is that guy. Yeah, man. Oh, that that was uh yeah. I mean, that was just a wild year. It was a wild ride. And, you know, I felt like every night it was just like you guys found a new way to win with seven guys. Um, did that kind of take a toll on you guys by the time you got to the tournament? I mean, there was a lot to do in the media about like, oh, keep these guys gotta have their legs under them. And I, I'm kind of I don't usually flow that route. I usually say, hey, you know, they're 20, 21 year old guys, like they're gonna be okay. Like this is what they they were meant to do, play basketball every couple of nights. Did it start to wear on you at the end of the season or or did the media kind of spin that up a little bit too much locally? Uh, uh um, I don't know. Cause bro, because honestly. Like, you know, once once we only had our seven-man rotation and I remember Archie had a practice and he was like, hey, you know, this is what it is. Like, you know, we can't sulk about it. This is just what we have. And he was like, we have to be in better shape. We can't get tired. And that's what kind of that um, Kevin Gates, uh, I don't get tired, that kind of became our theme song for that year. And that's what I remember just – people doing interviews with Scoots and him being like, you know, I don't get tired. KP, Kyle, like Daryl, 
You know, hey, I, I, I don't get tired. We And it was a, a mindset that we had because truth is, if you do get tired, you don't got many other options. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's just that's the facts of the, the season we were in. Like, we didn't have too many subs. We didn't have anybody. So, um, we we definitely – towards the back end, I think it did kind of catch up with us because I believe we played um, – going into the tournament, we ended up playing six games or seven games in ten days. Yeah, that sounds about right because there was, like – the A-10 tournament, you go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you got to turn around on Wednesday, play the play-in game, and then Friday, Sunday again. So, yeah, it yeah. was from Friday until the following Sunday, you guys played six games. Like we played six games, and it was like <clears throat> to have seven players, um, it was it was tough. And those games weren't, you know, walk-through games. No, they are all close. So, they were all close, and they were all tough, and the teams were tough, and you know, we were really battling. I think by the time we got to Oklahoma, it was just uh, just just ran out of ran out of fuel. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, to to a, a watcher's eye, like that that was kind of what I remember of that game was like, man, this Oklahoma team is really good. You know, they buddy healed, and um, mm-hmm. hey, you know, it's just like we said earlier. You just you keep playing better teams. That's the nature of the tournament. The next night you're up, you got to play a better team. You win, you got to play a better team the next night. And um, yeah, it's there's certainly that's just the nature of the tournament. Um, yeah. So um, the other thing, obviously, is that we can't skip over is that you, you guys you get the play in game, and then after the dust settles, was there a moment kind of going into to that game where you're like, all right, well, we're playing at home, and then. I guess walk me through that day. Was that cool? Kind of having a, a tournament game at home there. Was the day any different or did you guys kind of approach that playing game? Just like any other one you'd play at the arena. Oh, that day was weird as shit, bro. It was, was it? Like, <laughs> because, because I think we were the away team. Correct. Yeah. So like to be in the arena that you've been in and you can't use your locker, you, the, the benches are flipped, so we're not sitting on the same side. We're not using the same locker. Um, we don't have access to go to certain areas of our own arena uh, that we've been in all year. It was a weird feeling. Definitely. And, you know, the lighting is different uh, when it comes to the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, Everything was just weird, man. But it was the only thing that we could hang our hats on was the fact that we were home. Yeah. Like when you stepped on the court, it's like, hey, this is even though everything on the, on the outside is different, this is home. So we just kind of honed in on that. And, you know, our fans really pushed us through to that win. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Is that like, what do you remember about that game specifically? Um, specifically. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, the fans kind of willing you to it is, is part of it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I remember Deshaun's pants coming down. <laughs> was that the was that the next night or was that the playing game? I guess that was the playing game, huh? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember he's the only person who can have their pants come down and still play like <laughs> it hasn't happened. Um, that's right. That was that game. So that um, – and I remember – just, just, yeah, just our fans. 
Yeah, Kyle always says how loud it was. Like it was actually noticeably louder than it normally would have been. Absolutely. And it was like from all angles. Like normally you can hear maybe like one side is a little bit louder than the other. Or, yeah, you know, or the students are on the one side or loud on the other side. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that was the first time where the entire arena, every angle you went at, you heard it, you felt it. Um, it was crazy. Yeah, I got another clip ready to go because I had two of them here. Um, okay. Again, being the, the diligent podcast host that I am. So here's the other clip I want to play. Here we go. Excuse me, Deshaun Pierre, Pierre to get a cross screen in for a bucket. Cybert for the lead. Got it! Jordan Seibert, the senior, stepping forward. It's a one-point lead for Dayton. So the play that uh, you just heard the audio of was uh, 40 seconds ago in that playing game against Boise State. Flyers are down two points. <clears throat> you guys had a little crossing pattern that you did under the bucket, and then you were supposed to set the screen and then jump out and get the ball, and, of course, you nail the shot. And I get to have another one of these moments for my money, and there is there is some argument over this, but for my money, being a 30-year-old dude, that's oh. the biggest shot in UD Arena history for me. Now, there have yeah. been bigger shots, but I challenge anybody listening to this podcast to explain to me why that's not the biggest shot in UD Arena history, given the implications, time remaining on the clock. And, and it was I think it's perfect play design, too. Did Archie call that play, or did you guys be like, we got to run this one? Uh, Archie called it. Yeah, it was a great play design. You you were open for the shot, you know. And, and uh, he he did it. Um, this is just a, a credit to how good of a coach he is. Um, you know, we have been running a similar play. It, it's actually a, an addition to a set that we run, and it it worked for Deshaun all game. So when we called it, they kind of they called out the original play, which was the whole goal. So once we once we knew that they were going to switch it, um, I got that that screen on the backside. That's one thing I think KP doesn't get enough credit too, because his screen got me wide open. Mm-hmm. Like the the guy, I don't know who it was, but he was he was going to be there, and he was actually a longer defender. He would have been able to contest that shot, but KP got in his way and set a great screen, and I was able to be wide open for it. So. Yeah, and then I was, <clears throat> again, probably the loudest I've ever heard the arena in, in my life. And I, and I want, and whoever um, says there's a different shot, uh, I, I want to know what shot they think. Um, you got to go back. I'm talking about, like, say, we're going to get some older guys that respond because, like, there was, there was a big shot against DePaul in, like, 1984, and that's always been, like, in, in the Dayton lore. And it was pretty big because DePaul was a top yeah, five that. team. Yeah, <clears throat> but it also wasn't in the NCAA tournament. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I'm, with I'm with you on that. So I, I will challenge uh, listeners on that one. That if you if you think that there was a bigger shot, you're going to have to explain to me why. So, um, but yeah. All right. So wrapping up with Jordan Seibert uh, here on Talking Out Loud. And if you're sticking around to the bitter, bitter end, we uh, definitely appreciate you. Uh, as it goes with podcasts, I always say that we can keep it short, but we had a lot of stuff to get through tonight. And I, I think I skimmed the surface on everything without really getting into it all. But, you know, that's the podcast business, brother. You know, you just you push forward. So Absolutely. as we always do, um, this is a staple of Talking Out Loud. 
Um, you're not going to get out of here without some trivia. So I do have some trivia for you. And it has to do with the highest scoring game that you ever had in a Dayton uniform. So I'd like to know how many points you scored that evening and who was the opponent. Some guys know and some guys don't, I found puzzlingly enough. I forgot to say play the trivia music, so the trivia music will play. We'll, we'll get that on there. Um, because I asked, <laughs> I think I've asked a couple people. Bobby Worley had like no idea. I remember Ryan Mikesell nailed it like immediately. He's like, oh, yeah, I scored whatever against like Bonaventure. So some guys know and some guys don't. What say you? Um, I had 29 against Fordham. Nailed it. Boom and boom. You had it. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I figured that you were going to know the answer to that question. Yeah, I was going to know that one. Yeah. That. <laughs> February 1st against Fordham 2015 season. Dayton's a winner against Fordham. 101 to 77. And uh, Jordan Cyber was 29 points, 8 for 8 from two-point land. Damn. 8 for 8. We smacked them, got them up out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, we got we to gotta get back to beating Fordham this season because uh, we took a year off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're back to it now. So do you get to catch uh, games? I know you've been back and forth overseas, obviously, but do you get, get to catch a fair share of games? Yeah, I try to. Um Especially with this with this group, um, well, with the previous group with um, uh, Ob, Ibby, Jalen, all those guys, um, I yeah. tried to watch as much as possible. They were an exciting team, you know. That's what what happened with COVID. Um, but I, um, yeah, I try to catch as much as I can for real, um, just to try to always show my support. And you know, that's my my favorite team, so I try to see what I can. Yeah, and it's my favorite team, too, which is, you know, why we're doing the podcast. Um, so uh, second question, not trivia for you, but uh, relevant to campus life and life around Dayton, Ohio. What's your favorite restaurant on Brown Street to, to get some food? It's between, um, I would say, Fusion and um, Smashburger. Oh, okay. You're you're a new new school kind of guy. Yeah, the fusion yeah. The sushi place. All right. You don't like the classics. All right. I just learned a little bit about you just then. Yeah. Yeah. I keep it. I keep it very, very casual, new school, simple. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh yeah. Well, for me, I I've always I've always been a Milano's guy. Uh, but don't sleep on the food at Tim's. I want to let you know. If you go back to campus anytime soon, Tim's has some good food, man. It's okay, so Turned over I, a new leaf. I didn't, I didn't even know Tim's had food. That's um, they do now because they renovated um, and they have like a nice upstairs and stuff. It's you know we're not talking yeah. about your father's Tim's anymore, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's Tim's is upgraded across the board. Oh uh, okay yeah, yeah okay well I gotta check it out then. I That's check right. It out. Yeah man. Yeah. And if yeah. you uh, if you are around this this season, you gotta come up because we you know, we do the pregame show. And uh, I know everybody would love to have you at Tim's to, to talk about Flyers hoops when there's actually games to talk about. Absolutely. And you know what? I actually, Milano's is really good. I, um, I was, I was thinking typically when I would go eat, I would only go down from, um, from our apartment complex. So I never really went up towards the Buffalo Wild Wings and Milano's. I would always go down the street. Oh yeah. Um, Cause were you guys in garden? Uh, no, we were in, um, I don't know what that complex is called it's right over there by the practice um facility oh yeah 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 i got you yeah i couldn't remember if they had built the caldwell apartments yet or or yeah. not 
if you yeah, yeah. Caldwell. That's what we were. At. We started at Gardens and we moved to Caldwell. Yeah, so you got to the nice storms. You were you were part of uh part of that group that got the upgrade. Okay, yeah, because I, I didn't have those dorms, but I can't really I can't complain because my first year was in Marianus and that was like the best freshman dorm you could get into anyway. Um, yeah. So I you know I when was the last time you were back on campus? <clears throat> um, maybe sometime around during the TBT. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, because you guys practice there, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's become a nice little little fun thing in the summer, I feel like, for Dayton fans. Um, I'm glad you guys do that. I hope you guys keep doing that. Is that the plan, is to, to kind of play and keep getting the team together as many years as you can? Yeah, that's the plan, to keep keep giving the, the, the fans something to be um, – kind of taking down memory lane, give them something to cheer about in the summer because they already have, you know, the teams during the school year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so just kind of give them some more love and hopefully we can keep that going. Hell yeah, man. That's what it's all about. And um, obviously, you know, it was a long time coming for, with us doing this show and, and I'm glad we finally got to got to put it on the books and uh, and do the memory lane thing tonight. So um, yeah. I always I always ask my guests to get your final thoughts in before we close up the program again. Uh, thank you for, for joining Talking Out Loud. This is a great way to start out the season with. Flyers basketball just under two months away. Opening night is on November 9th. For those of you that might have forgotten, uh, we're going to welcome fans back to the arena. Keeping fingers crossed, there's not going to be any restrictions. But uh, before we close up, all the guests are the same on this show. You get to have your final thoughts. What are your final thoughts for all those Dayton listeners out there? Oh, man, I just, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say I appreciate y'all um, just for, for allowing the the transfer from Ohio State um, to, to come in and, and be a part of the family and and to to just continue to grow. Uh, I appreciate y'all following me and continuing to grow with me. And we own this journey for life. We flyers for life. So. That's right, man. You might be from Cincinnati, but I doubt you'll ever have to pay for many beers in the city limits of Dayton, Ohio. I got to tell you that. <laughs> I just, I just got to tell you, that's probably, uh, it's probably honesty there, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that, brother. And I appreciate you for having me on, bro. Yeah, man. It's, it's always great to catch up with you guys. And, uh, you know, some, some people during the season don't like that. I bitch and moan about the team, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm not any harder on the team than the coaches would be anyways. So, um, it's, I think that all comes with the territory of being a fan, but, uh, I gotta tell you that, that my favorite part about this job and my favorite part about, you know, doing the podcast and, and having a radio show is, is catching up with you guys and kind of hearing your side of the story, because it always differs a lot from the fan perspective or, um, you know, what I was doing that night, like I was in a bar in Chicago during the elite eight run and, my stories yeah. are way different than your perspective. So it's it's uh, always great to hear from you guys and, and hear that. So thanks again for coming on, man. And uh, it was a pleasure doing the show. I am. I always take listeners out of the song. And I was prepared before you even said this. But you'll hear it in the post-production. We're going to take this podcast out uh, with a song that's already been mentioned is I Don't Get Tired by Kevin Gates. Um, that's our show for tonight. Thanks for sticking around to the end. You know there are two rules. Until next time, wear red and be loud. I want to pull up. Head spin. Get it. Get flat. I got six jobs. I don't get tired. I don't get. I don't get tired. I don't get. Full-time father, full-time artist 
ex-guard, he said grind harder, learn from every time you ever fail, if it never fail, just grind smarter, iron sharpen, you the dag on they hindquarters, and they all acting, rap game, I'm a pallbearer, kill me, get a call after, first look, it was all laughter, Kevin Gates, no small matter, made men believe when they didn't believe, dive in the crowd, no safety holders, got in the booth, no safety on it, aiming, I shoot for the stars, got the award, I ain't win no awards, only mean the one thing, don't get tired, I go hard. I was trying to get it high I want them dead presidents. I want to pull up. Head spin. Get it, get fly. I got six jobs. I don't get tired. We share a car, my hair, never couldn't afford flights, no air trail, still rights, crystal like sand gravel, walking testament of what can happen. The moment you follow your heart, keeping the faith even when it get dark, they say give up as I tell them get lost. Six years ago, I just purchased the farm, most likely the one that you cannot afford. Right foot on the gas, well, let's see, I could be accelerating, I'm doing the dead. Keep that I'm with, started be doing her shit, and it's okay to say that she bad. Look to the right, and I give her a grade. I was trying to get it live. I want them dead presidents. I wanna pull up. Head spin. Get it, get fly. I got six jobs. I don't get tired. I don't get, I don't get tired. I don't get, I don't get tired. I don't get, I don't get tired. Get it, get fly. I got six jobs. I don't get tired. Only meaning one thing, don't get tired, I go hard. Don't play with the hustle, you eat all your stuff Don't mimic, pretend it's just be who you are I Ain't never changed been like this from the start Only meaning one thing, don't get tired, I go hard Don't play with the hustle, you eat all your stuff Don't mimic, pretend it's just be who you are Get it, get fly, I got six jobs, I don't get tired I was trying to get it Get fly, I got six jobs, I don't get tired